We left off, today's daf is Yud Gimel. We left off on Yud Beis, Amud Beis, uh, right by Rabbi Eliezer. Two, four, six, seven lines up from the bottom. So we have actually a very interesting daf today. So the Gemara says the following, Rabbi Eliezer, Rishem, excuse me, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Yimachru. So if you remember again, Machokis, Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Yoshua in the Mishnah. And Rabbi Eliezer was of the opinion that if somebody is Machdish Nechasov, so and within the Nechasov, within the property, are animals. So the Maisa, the Zicharim, the male animals, are sold off for the purpose of Olos. And the female animals are sold off Litzarche Shlamim. But remember, Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is what? Stam Hektish Labadak Habayis. And therefore, all the monies fall into the Badak Habayis fund. So says the Gimar the following Rabbi Avau Bishim, Rabbi Shimon Lakish. Time with Rabbi Eliezer. What's Rabbi Eliezer's logic? Because the Pasik says, Daber el Aaron ve el Bonov. Pasik says over here, In Vayikra, Daber el Aaron ve el Bonov. Now, I will say again, the, the, this is one of the Pasuk by Nidarim and Nidavos. But the Gemara is actually dashing in the middle of the Pasuk. Daber el Aaron vel Bonov. So, Kavish Baruch says, speak to Aaron and his sons. Asher yakrivu lahashem laola. And talking about an animal that you will offer up as an ola. So, the Gemara dashes, Hakal karev arla. What that teaches us is that according to Rabbi Eliezer's position, and also we already saw this alluded to yesterday, that technically speaking, Every animal could be offered up as an ola. Now, what does that mean? Take a look at the second to last line of the Tiklin Charitin, left-hand side of the page, actually bottom of the page. Hakol Kariv Ola, Kidle'el, Obimasnisin Basra, Rabbi Eliezer Garcin, and Velo Rabbi Eliezer, the Hubar Plutus Sobo says what we said before, that that Velo Svirle Hakol Kariv Ola. So what we said yesterday was this idea that all animals, technically speaking, have a shaykhus in carbon ola. That Ola is, Ola is a general category that could encompass many things. For some things could take on Kedusha's Ola, even if they can't be offered up as an Ola. But the point is towards making, towards telling us that this is an expansive category. Lirtzon Chem Tamim Zohar. So what does it mean that you have to offer it up? Lirtzon Chem Tamim. Lirtzon Chem means according to your will, Tamim, complete, Zohar Mel. Yochal Afilu Ophos. She might have thought that should even include Ophos. Birds, Tamalomar Babakar Velo Ophos. Therefore, the Torah says no Babakar and not Ophos. Rabbi Yemia, Rabbi Bun, Barchia, Havun Yasivun, Vaamrin Tamon. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Taimid Rabbi Shimon, Shekene Keva Sheba Ov Kshera Lava Ola. So also the reason of Rabbi Shimon, which we spoke about earlier. Again, if you take a look, again, Tiklin Kharat is second to last line. Remember, we had this case yesterday where you separate out a female animal for the sake of Ola. Remember, again, Abel said normally an Ola could only be a Zachar. But yet, Rabbi Shimon said that, that if you separate out a Nekeva as an Ola, it is subject to the laws of Timura. Now, under normal circumstances, the only way you could create a Timura is how? Is if the animal that is sanct- the original animal, is a Kasher carbon. The novelty of Rabbi Shimon's ruling is, even though you can't use an Akeva as an Ola, yet it could still create a Timura situation. If you remember again, what was his logic? His logic was, Rabbi Shimon's logic was, because there is an Ola's Nekeva, and that's what? Olas ha'of. So once you have a concept, a, a, a case of where you have an ola that is in a keva, therefore the Maisa, every in a keva could take on some level of ola sanctity. The Amar hachin, and so too again he said like this. Rabbi Leizer said like this as excuse me. The Amar hachin, and yet there, so again earlier Rabbi Eliezer seemed to side with Rabbi Shimon, and yet here he seemed, he's he's espousing the sheet that we said above, top of Yud Gimel. 
It is justified to take this position. The Amr of Shmuel B'Shem Rabbi Zira, Kol She'ini Yechol Alikarev, Lo Hi V'Lo Dameha, Lo Kitsha Elehek Dishdamim. Anytime you have an animal that is sanctified, and the animal cannot be sanctified, not itself, nor nor can you use its funds for another for, for that same sanctification. It simply has hektish tamim. I will say hektish tamim, as we spoke about before, means it has monetary value. It has monetary value. So any time that the carbon itself can't be offered, by definition, it has hektish tamim. Va'at, and Rabbi Eliezer, you say va'at amrut yos, you say that it is correct. Lakrivo, in, 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 at, in, at yochol, excuse me, in at yochol, dixiv, Babakar velova ofos livdosa inata yachol sheinla of piyom. So we'll say again. The Gemara says in this case of olas nekeva, what are you supposed to do with it? On one hand, again, you can't go ahead and redeem it because the of doesn't have piyom. Lefum kain tzarech neimar lo kitsha el kedushas damim. Therefore, it leads us to only one possibility, which is that in this particular case, the animal will simply have kedushas damim, financial value, without actual sacrificial value. Chavria b'shem Rabbi Yochanan. Rab Aivu Barnagri, Amar Kumi Rabbi Ila Bishim Rabbi Yochanan, Taima Dehin, Tanya, Veim Kol Behemot Tamea, Asheyakrivu Mimenu Karban Lashem. When the Pasuk says, Every Behemot Tamea, that you, excuse me, from every Behemot Tamea, you shall not offer it up as a Karban Tashem. Ma Tamud Lomar Tamea, I will say, what does Tamea mean? Now, under normal circumstances, what Tamea means is non kosher. So it'd be strange for the Torah to tell us that a non-kosher animal can't be offered up as a carbon, meaning that seems to be quite intuitive and obvious. That I don't know that I actually need a whole Pasuk to teach me that. To which the Gemara says, Ah, I'll tell you what you do with it. So we'll say, Oh, so says Rabbi Zi'ira, I'm sorry, I just skipped a line. I'm sorry. Uh, rather, what Tameya means is, so we'll say, you know, Tameya is like code. It's code for disqualified. An animal could be disqualified for a whole variety of reasons. But in this particular circumstance, the disqualification that we are focusing on is Tameya Ba'osa Hashem. Tameya Ba'osa Hashem is what say. It can't be offered up for this particular category. So it's Tameya, it's the same way that a behemoth Tameya is excluded from certain sacrificial laws. So an animal of the wrong type is also excluded from certain sacrificial laws. And I will say again, remember, the reason why this is all important is because we we're trying to figure out if a person indeed consecrates a particular animal, but that animal is not fit for the purpose for which it was consecrated, what happens to that animal? So again, so the simplest example is one to use from the Gemara. I makdish, I, I, I sanctify a female animal for an ola. Well, fe- an ola is not brought from a female animal. So the shaila is what happens to that animal. So remember, there are two possibilities. What are the two possibilities? Either A, it just has kedushas adam, kedushas damim, which just means bedekabais, or possibility B is what? That no, it does have kedushas hamizbeah. It does have it does have altar sanctity. I, but it can't be offered. You're right. So what would you do with it? You well, remember either way, you're selling this off. The shaila just is what? What do you do with the money? If it just has kedushas damim, then the money goes to bedekabais. The money goes to the general fund. If you hold that it has some level of kedushas aguf. Because now remember, why would you say that an olas nekeva has some level of kedusha saguf? Because we saw before the opinions that said because there are certain cases where you could bring an olas nekeva. 
if that's the case, then what Rabbi will say? Then Lamaisa, the monies themselves would have to be used for the purchase of other carbonos. So that just you understand that that's the fundamental machlokes that's unfolding over here. So matmeya. So what does it mean? That's me. I feel tmei ba'osashem. The kasha, but this raises a question. Bedok siv because about this it was stated the ha'amid the ha'erich. But I will say the ha'amid the ha'erich means is is essentially erech erech now is that you evaluate you evaluate the particular value of an item. Now over here, what the Torah is talking about is the following. Torah says in Kol Behemot Tmei'ah Asher Lo Yakrivu Mimenu Karban Hashem VeHemid Es Habehemot Lifnei Hakohen VeHerich Hakohen Osa Bein Tov Bein Rabbeinu. So this is talking about again if a person sanctifies an animal that is not fit that's Behemot Tmei'ah. So what does the coin do? The coin is ma'arich. The coin evaluates the value of the animal, and it's that amount of money that becomes pledged to the base of Mikdash. Now also, the fact that the Torah says that the ha'amid, the ha'arich, that you're evaluating, indicates to us that what? That it does indeed have kiddushas haguf. That it has kiddushas haguf. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Zi'ira b'shim Rabbi Eliezer, lo amar kein, he didn't say it like this, Ela ve'im kol behemotemea, asher lo yakrivu mimenu karban lahashem. When the Torah says, any behemoth tameo that you so with any behemoth tameo you shall not offer it up as a carbon tashem. Kol she'eno ro'oi likariv lo kan velo b'makom acher eno oset timura. So we'll say what this teaches us is the following: that in order for an animal to be totally removed from the category of sacrificial sanctity, it has to be what the kind of animal that is not offerable anywhere, anywhere. That's a behemoth tameo. You can't offer it under any circumstance. And I will say, there are kosher animals, there are certain kosher animals which are just not offered. They're just, just it's not used for carbonos. Now, the Gemara also brings up over here, the other ramification of this, I will say, is Tamura. Remember, Tamura, once again, is where you sanctify a particular animal, and then what? You have a change of heart, you decide to use something else, you try to swap it out. And under normal circumstances, Ta'aloch is as a penalty. Both the original animal and the swapped animal are both Kodesh. Now, the Gemara is suggesting that's only true if what? if the originally designated animal was fit for carbonic use. But if the originally, fit, if the originally consecrated animal was not fit for carbonic use, then there is no Tamura situation. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Kol, I'm sorry, <coughs> any animal that is not fit to be offered here or in any other sacrificial circumstance, does not create a Tamura situation. Nikeva, <coughs> So the exception to Rosa is what? Is in a keva. Why? Because in a keva, although, again, if you set aside a keva for an ola, you can't offer it up as an ola, but since the keva is what? Usable as an ola in a different situation, namely wearable side. Olas ha'ov, olas ha'ov, since even though you can't offer it here, nevertheless, it is fit to be, to be offered somewhere else. Rebosa, again, understand what that means. So just play this out. It's very interesting. If I went ahead and I sanctified a female animal as an ola, so I can't go ahead and offer up that carbon. So now let's say I have, I, so that's my idea. Oh, so what am I going to do? I'm going to switch out my nekeva for a zohar. So essentially what am I doing? I'm doing timura. I'm doing timura. So what's the halacha? The halacha is that both animals are kodesh. Both animals are kodesh. I, the nekeva could have never been offered as an ola. Could it be offered as an ola here? But since, again, an Akeva does have shaykhs to the concept of Ola, albeit, again, in a different circumstance <coughs> by oath, therefore it takes on Ola's sanctity. Because it takes on Ola's sanctity, it's subject to the laws of Timur. It's just an interesting idea. So the Gemara says, the Gemara goes weiter. 
The Gemara says, Rabbi Avon Rabbi Bon, Rabbi Bon, Ba'un Kumi Rabbi Zira. Rabbi Avon Rabbi Bon asked the following question in front of Rabbi Zira. Hari Harovea Vahanirva. Sheinon Ruyan Likari Vlokan Vlob Makamacha. So it's like, there's a locha that says that an animal, that an animal that essentially sodomizes a human being, <coughs> or an animal that is sodomized by a human being, both those animals are not fit for sacrificial use. You can't, you can't use, you can't use those animals. Shinru Likari Vlokan Vlob Makamacha. Vahari Hain Osin Timura. But I will say, interestingly enough, if you go ahead and, if you go ahead and you, let's say I take that animal and I say, okay, this is my animal, this is the animal that had this experience. And then what happens? And now I sanctify it as a carbon. And now I decide to swap it out for something else. What's that? They're both Timura. So, which is strange. Why? Because an animal that is Rovea or Nirva is unfit for anything. You can't use it in any circumstance. Now, based on what we just said before, the only way you should, uh, something should be fit for, or something should be subject to the laws of Tamura is if Lamaisa, it's, it's subject to the laws of Karbanos in some circumstance. Here, it's totally mufka, it's totally removed from Karbanos. So the Gemara says, Vaharihin osin Tamura, Amar lun, af anilo amarti, ela temea mamish. So he said, lun means, lun, take a look at the Tiklin Kharatin. It's actually interesting. Tiklin Kharatin writes over here, the following. No, no, Tiflin Khanatan. He was a carbonate I was looking at before. Okay, now it doesn't matter. So it says the Yimara Amarlun, Afani Lo Amarti Elatmeya Mamish. So he said again, when I was talking about this case, I was talking about a case of Tmeya Mamish. That in Akinami, what he's saying over here is I agree with you. In this case, actually, <coughs> Rovea and Nirva would not create, would not create a Timura situation because indeed Lemaisa, they are removed from everything. Wasn't that the original question though? I'm sorry? Wasn't that the original question? We didn't need to know Tamea. We didn't need to know Tamea. Because we did too whatever, there's another pasuk that tells you can't bring a korban from Tamea. No, 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 that's the whole point because Tamea, when we first look at it, we assume it's a non-kosher animal. So now what we're saying, now what we're saying is no, 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 Tamea actually means something that is not generally fit for sacrificial use. Dis- an external disqualification. Because remember, this animal that's Nirva Orovea could be the right min for carbon, yet because of an external circumstance, it cannot be used. So now Lemaisa, we're saying it can't be used for sacrificial service, and therefore Lemaisa also it can't be used for, and it's not subject to trum ab not truma, to Tamura. Says the Gimar Vakashya, Bedok Siv Vehemid Veherich. But the Gimar ends off with the Kasha. The Gimar says, nevertheless, interestingly enough, the Gemara seems to indicate that even these, or the Torah seems to indicate that even these behemos tameos still have what? Still have some level of physical sanctity because the Torah uses the lashon of vehemid veherich. So the Gemara leaves that with a kasha. Says the Mishnah, achos lelamidyo misharines halishka. Once every thirty days, Rav say literally it means they would evaluate the chamber. So what, what does that mean? Take a look at the Tiklin Charetin for just a moment. It's on the bottom of the page, right hand side. Mesharne Salishka, Kovin Shar Lienos Ushmanim, Ad Lamid Yom. So what happens is the Beis Hamikdash would enter into short-term, thirty-day contracts with merchants for wine and for oil. So you will see certain <coughs> things they bought they bought in bulk because it would last, and certain things they had to buy on a more regular basis. So wine and oil, 
they entered into 30-day contracts with, with merchants. Look at the Tikkun Chadatin. And the Gizbar would take whatever they, the Gizbar is the temple treasurer, would take whatever they needed during that time. So we'll see, we actually already spoke about this yesterday. This idea, we called it Sa'odalid. Sa'odalid. Then what would happen? So for example, well, let's actually let's read the Mishnah. So he says the following. Once every 30 days, So the Mishanah Salishka literally means that the base Hamikdash treasurer would work out deals, would work out buying arrangements with the merchants. So we'll say, let's say for argument, now we're going to get into the actual nature of these transactions. Let's say the base Hamikdash contracted with a particular merchant to buy, to buy four sa'ah of wheat for a seller. For argument's sake, four saw of wheat for a seller. So if you take a look, all right, four saw of wheat for a seller. So what happens? I will say, let's say amdu mishalosh. Let's say now, let's say now, the price of wheat appreciates. So that what? You can only get three saw for a seller. Nevertheless, yisapek midalit. So the halacha is that the merch meaning again. So these deals are not in any way tied into market fluctuations. They're fixed deals. On the other hand, mishalosh va'amdu midalit. Yisapek midalid. Now again, on the other hand, if the original contract was what? To buy three sa'ah for a seller, and then what? The price of wheat goes down. So now in the market you can get four sa'ah for a seller. The Beis HaMikdash has the upper hand, and in fact it gets what the market is willing to offer. Suppose, in other words, what the Mishnah is saying is that the price is only locked in when that's for the benefit of the Beis HaMikdash, when the, when the price of wheat appreciates. But Lamaisa, if the price of wheat goes down, the base Hamikdash gets the benefit of these of these of these new val- of these new valuations. After so how, I'm sorry. After Kenyan, even this get correct. This is well, no, no, no. This would be this wouldn't work for anything they took already. They wouldn't get like back saw. But going forward, they'd be able to use the new amount. Why? So now the Mishnah espouses a a a, 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 a principle. Shiyad hektish al ha'elyona. Because ultimately, the Beis HaMikdash always has the upper hand. You also have to understand something. I see, you'll say to yourself, but it puts the merchant at a disadvantage. So the idea is, people who are doing commerce, first of all, if you, I think there are two things that play over here. Number one, is that it's a privilege to, to supply the Beis HaMikdash. It's a privilege to supply the Beis HaMikdash. So the concept, ultimately, that a person is not going to make as much money as a person would in another venture, really should not matter. Also understand that it's huge bulk. It's huge bulk. So to land one of these contracts, it probably was worth it for the merchant. Because remember, the big risk <laughs> comes in a situation where the price of wheat, where the price of wheat goes, um, where the price of wheat goes up. Goes up. Right, where the price of wheat goes up. So you're still, lo- so again, price of wheat goes up in the market. You could get uh, three saw for a seller, but you contracted for four saw. That's where the real... But I think with such a bulk contract, you know, assuming the market remains somewhat stable, somewhat stable, and again, remember, you could, you could forecast market volatility with grain, with wheat. How? It's very simple. Crop, right? Meaning, again, you, you could see. You know what the rainfall is. You know what the crop coming in. So, it, it, again, I'm, I'm assuming there's some level of agricultural volatility. I'm sorry? The monthly basis. Correct, correct. So, the, right. so worst case scenario, you're only locked in. Although, again, you'll see they only did it really for monthly basis for perishables. We'll see actually, for, even though he uses the example of wheat over here, we'll see wheat was actually done long term. You could use it as an advertisement. You could use it as an advertisement. I'm sorry? You could use it as 
The hundred percent. We said we're Yashan, we're Khadash, we're Glot. Even the they said, even God eats from us. Yeah, it's you know I'm saying I, I, I think that's definitely I, I'm not sure how much people entered into this for financial motivation as much as you know the incredible exceptional covet. But again, still landing a contract like this, assuming market prices remain stable, must have been a huge uh, a, a huge potential windfall. Anyway, Vaiter, so Yad Hekdesh Allah Yona. In Hislia, listen to this. In Hislia Solas, let's say the let's say the the flower became wormy, became wormy. So again, I will say obviously if the flower becomes wormy, you can't use it in the base. I mean, the Shlosta Hatlia Lo. So literally, the worminess is the merchants, which means Rata Balsai that the merchant takes full responsibility for the product. Ad Vim Hichmitz Yain. Similarly, if the wine if the wine went bad, the wine spoiled, turned to vinegar. Hichmitz Lo. It turned to vinegar for the merchant. This is an amazing statement. Because the merchant doesn't get his money until, the, until these items are actually used on the Mizbeach. Which is another way of saying that the merchant retains full responsibility over the objects. See, so under normal circumstances, so a seller only retains responsibility over an object until when? until it's delivered to the buyer. Once it's delivered to the buyer, again, unless otherwise stipulated, once it's delivered to the buyer, that's it. The buyer makes a key, and it's his. The unique part of the Beis HaMikdash is not only does the Beis HaMikdash get the upper hand in terms of prices, but responsibility for loss remains with the seller literally until the moment that the object is used in the Beis HaMikdash. Look at the Tiklin Chartin. It's incredible responsibility. Look at the Tiklin Chartin. In the So first of all, he says, points out it doesn't literally mean that they don't get their money. Meaning, the Beis Hamikdash pays the merchants at the time that they take the produce. But under normal circumstances, the giving of money would affect the transaction. Here, it's as even though they have physical possession of the money, it's as if they don't receive the money until when? Until the time that the object is actually offered. So I'll say awesome responsibility. So now not only does the Vesha Mikdash get the benefit of market trends, even though it wasn't stipulated like that in their buying contract, but now again vendor retains all responsibility for any type of, of damage to the object or any type of ruination of the object until the point that it's actually is. But look what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah says, Tani Bishim Rabbi Shimin. So literally it means they would receive their money immediately. Now I will say, obviously, nobody's this, I want to be clear. Even though the Mishnah makes it sound like they only get their money once the object is offered, the Tiklin Hanatin already clarified that that is not the case. They're getting paid up front. What Rabbi Shimon says is, you know what, and they can take that money to the bank already. Why? Because the HaKohanim Because the Kohanim were Zrizin. I will say, what does it mean the Kohanim were Zrizin? There was never a case... Where the where the flour turned wormy, or where the wine turned to vinegar, because we've all said that only happens how when it sits. So the idea is this resource of the kolanim is that they would get the produce. And again, remember these particular items also they're buying in smaller quantity as well. They're not buying a year's worth of wine. They're not buying a year's worth of oil. So the mice again they bought what they needed. The kolanim were zoris. And the Kohanim, so because of the resource, there was never any kind of spoilage. You know, interestingly enough. Interestingly enough, the um, oh fine, Had, we'll, we'll we'll do the interesting enough later. Hadron Allah Perak Hatshuma, fine, new Perak, new Perak. Amen.
All right. So says the says the halacha, says the Mishnah. I've also, this this is really fascinating now because what, what's what's amazing about this is you get a window into the world. You know, when we think about the base Amikdash, so we think about the Leah Laregel, you know, you come up, you're, you're, you're with your family, you offer your Kabanos. What's amazing is the base Amikdash is, is, is a huge, huge entity that, that there are so many different things going on. I mean, it would be amazing to find out here, but like what the annual budget of the base Amikdash was, because it's clear that there's, we'll see, there's a huge amount of support staff. There's a huge amount of, of, of buying that happens. It's just, so now we're going to see how the actual base Hamikdash works. So take a look at the Mishnah. These are the people who held appointed offices in the base Hamikdash. Now, I'll say again, remember, the other thing to also remember is when we think about the base Hamikdash, we assume, of course, there were employees. Who are the employees of the base Hamikdash? The Kohanim. So what's interesting to see is the Kohanim are, I won't say a small part, they're a big part, but they are only one part of the workforce of the Beis HaMikdash. There is a whole administrative part of the Beis HaMikdash that, that really has, I mean, Kohanim are, I guess, are eligible for those jobs as well, but Lamaisa, they were not normally filled by Kohanim. So listen to this. So these are the people who held posts in the Beis HaMikdash. Who are they? Yochanan ben Pinchas al HaChosamos. Yochanan ben Pinchas was in charge of Chosamos, was in charge of tokens. Now we'll see, Rabosei, what tokens are for exactly. Okay, Achia al Hanesochim. Achia was in charge of libations. Now, we'll say again, what that means is, as we've already seen before, a person would often come to the base Hamikdash, and people don't always want to schlep stuff with them. I don't want to bring an animal with me. I don't want to bring flour, or oil, or wine with me. Remember, we talked about this. There was the base Hamikdash gift shop, and in the base Hamikdash gift shop, you could purchase all of your carbonic needs. Again, but be reminded that what. It's going to be at a premium, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's, you know, it's like buying the snacks at the movie theater, right? So you, you're, you're, I've heard, I've heard, you know, <laughs> you know so, so you, you know, again, so, you know, you are going to have to pay a premium on it, but nevertheless, people are willing to pay a premium for convenience. <laughs> so, Achia al Masya ben Shmuel ala payasos. Masya ben Shmuel, will say, was in charge of the lotteries. Now, again, look at the Tiklin Kharatin. The lotteries for what? We've already, we, we'll see this later on. We'll discuss the fact that the way Kohanic responsibilities were divvied up changed over time. But at least at some point in time, they used a lottery system. Used the lottery. So you have Masya Ben Shmuel was in charge of the lottery, which distributed the various, various responsibilities to the Kohanim. Pesachia al Hakonim. So Pesachia, we'll say, we'll see you Pesachia was in just a moment. Psachia was in charge of the the cutting of the bird pairs. Remember, there are certain carbonos that have to come from birds, and so he was in charge of the birds. Psachia zehu Mordechai. And we'll say, who is Psachia? He's Mordechai. Now, there's a big machlokis as to who this Mordechai is, but many, in fact, hold that it's the Mordechai of the Mordechai and Esther story. So, so Psachia is Mordechai, and also, also is a clear indication that what that you don't have to be a Kohen to go ahead and hold these positions because Mordechai was from what Shevet? Mordechai was, was well, right, Machlokes, right? Because uh, he was a Yehudi and Ishimini. But Pasha let's assume right now he was from Binyamin. One thing is clear, which is he's not a Kohen. See, here you have Psachia in charge of the Kenan. And what happens? And what happens? Uh, why, was it, why do they call him Psachia? His name was really Mordechai. Because he would open things up 
Bedarshan, and he would explain them. And he knew 70 languages. I will say, it doesn't mean like he was a nudnik opening everything up. But what, what, it means, it's, 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 what it means is exactly Torah. He, he was able to explore and understand and explain deeper concepts of Torah, and he knew 70 languages. So to him, nothing was closed. He opened everything. Benachia was in charge of the Kohanim with stomach disorders. Now we'll discuss Kohanim apparently suffered from ongoing indigestion. Which we will we will discuss. We will discuss. Nechunya Chofer Sichin. Nechunya was in charge of digging ditches. And I will say what this was for was for water sources. Meaning he was in charge of making sure this was especially important during the times of, of the Regalim to make sure that there were enough water wells for, for the pilgrims who were coming up. So he was in charge of, of making wells. Gavine Karuz, Gavini was the crier. We'll say, remember again, they had to make announcements in the Beis HaMikdash. We'll see, again, the crier did a number of different things. Um, one of the things that he did was he would be the one who would announce that Barakai, that it's dawn. It's dawn. He would be the one who announced for the Kohanim to get to work. Mm-hmm. Ben, we'll discuss each of these things in the Gemara. Ben, ben Gevra on the Ilas Sharim. Ben Gevra was in charge of closing the gates at the end of the day. Ben Bavi, Mamuna Alapakia. Ben Bavi was in charge of the wicks. So somebody had to be in charge of the wicks for the menorah. Ben Arza alat saltzal. Ben Arza was in charge of both sides. Saltzal, if you look at the Tikkun Kharitin, something very interesting. Saltzal, symbol Belaz. He was in charge of the symbols. Of the symbols. With a C. Kishayu shomen kolo hayu maschilin halavim b'shir. So it's very beautiful. The way the Levian would begin shiro is how. So apparently, apparently Ben Arza would, uh, would, uh, what do you call it? Crash. Clash. Clash? Yeah, yeah, crash. Crash, okay. Clash. He would bang them together. Yeah, he would go ahead and, and, and crash, clash the cymbals, and they would begin, they would begin to sing. Hogros ben Levi al-Ashir. Hogros ben Levi was in charge of the Levitic choir. Base Garmu al Ma'asal So we'll say this we saw already yesterday. The Garmu family were in charge of Lechem Aponim. Base Avatinas al Ma'asal The Avatinas family were in charge of Ketores. The Elozer ala parochas. Elozer was in charge of the parochas. We also remember there, there was required upkeep. There was required upkeep for the parochas, for the, for the curtains. O Pinchas Hamalbish. And Pinchas was the one who was in charge of Kohanic wardrobes. Now, Malbish literally means he was going to help the Kohanim get dressed. We'll see because the big day kahuna are actually somewhat complicated. Sometimes you needed another person to help you with certain parts. So he was in charge of Kohanic. He was in charge of Kohanic. Wardrobe. Says the Gemara. Rabbi Chizkiya Amrab Simon, Virabanan, Chad Amar Kishire Dor Vadar, Balim No Salein. So, we'll say, interestingly enough, you have over here Rabbi Chizkiya says the name of Rabbi Simon and the Rabbanan. One say that who are these people who are mentioned over here? So, some explain that the people mentioned over here didn't necessarily all live at the same time, but rather these are the great people that held these positions over the generations. So they didn't all live together. They, 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 they held this position over the generations. The Kharna Amar, Kharna said, Kharna Amar, Mi Shahaya Ba'o Sadar, Mana Masha said, no, these, and therefore, according to this first approach, according to Abchizkiah's approach, all of the people mentioned over here in the Mishnah were all great tzaddikim. All, didn't live at the same time, but all great tzaddikim. Kharna says that no, the Tana just listed all of the people who lived in his particular generation. Man da Amr Ksheri called Duravadar, Balimnos al Kulan, who Omer Zechat Sadik Livracha. So the one who says that the people listed over here 
were the ones ultimately in his generation. So therefore, we would use the appellation of Zecher Tzadik Lebracha. They're both saying, again, we're not going to get into it now, but the Tikkun Kharatin points out that these names are also mentioned in, a Mishna, in two Mishnayis in Yuma. There are two Mishnayis in Yuma that go through two lists of people. One group of people that are listed as Zecher Tzadik Lebracha because of their good contributions, and another list of people that are remembered for B'Shem Rishoim Yirkav the name of the wicked shall rot, because they didn't do such good things. So the Gemara is trying to figure out where exactly this list of names fits into the other two lists of names. So everything depends on how you feel the Tana arranged these names. If these people did not all live at the same time, the Tana just picked out the greatest people from all generations, then obviously, if at the end of the day he's just quoting the people who lived in his generation, then it's quite possible that what? That they weren't exceptionally righteous. So he goes on, Al-Kulanu Omer B'Shem Sham Yirkav so it's like according to this approach, again, remember, I'm not going to get into these Mishnayis and Yuma, but again, the Mishnayis and Yuma compare two different, two different categories of people. So apparently the people mentioned in this Mishnah over here, our Mishnah over here, are nothing necessarily to write home about, with the exception maybe of certain people whom the Mishnah identifies as great people, namely like Mordechai, like Pesachya, but otherwise, there's nothing so special about these individuals mentioned in the Mishnah. And who would be an example of a tzaddik? Ben Cotton. Ben Cotton is one of the people mentioned in the Mishnah in Yuma as uh, being an exceptionally righteous individual. Amud Beis. Omer Rabbi Yona. Rabbi Yona says, Ksiv lochin achalik lo berabin v'es atsumim yechalik shal. So Rabbi Yona, Rabbi Yona quotes the Pasuk from Yeshayo. And the Pasuk says, Therefore, I shall go ahead and give him his portion in the multitudes. And the strong will go ahead and divide the shalom. The shalom means the treasure. Who does this refer to? Zerab Yakiva. This refers to Rabbi Akiva. Shehiskin Medrish Halachos Vahagados. Rabbi Akiva is the one who went ahead and arranged Medrish Halachos and Hagados. So I will say again, remember, Medrish, if you take a look at the Tiklim Kharatin, not, excuse me, look, look at the Karban Ha'ida. The Karban Ha'ida says the following. He says, Shehiskin Medrish. Shadarshin Osan Berabim, Vaaf Zeh Shemosr Nafsho Allah Hashem, Harilo Chilik Petaras Hashem Krabi Akiva. So we'll say the Gemara says that this individual who is given his portion on the multitudes and who is strong and, and, and divides the treasure, this is Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Akiva was one of the individuals who went ahead and essentially organized Torah Shabbat Peh. So he organized Torah Shabbat Peh into what we call Medrish Halachos and Hagodos. The Yesh Omrim others say, no, no, no. When it comes to Medrash Halachos and Agados, that the Anshikinesis Hagidola arranged. So, what did Rabbi Akiva organize? Klalos Upratos. Rabbi Akiva was the one who organized the concept of Klal Uprat. I also remember one of the, one of the, they call them hermeneutic principles. I don't know if that helps anyone. You know, that's the, that's the Yud Gimel Midos of, of Rabbi Yishmael. Right? The hermeneutic principles. So one of them is Klaluprat. So Klaluprat means that Tarsan and Torah will say something generally that will make a specific statement. And how do you understand those two? So Rabbi Yishmael went through Kula and organized all of the Klaluprats. Something amazing. Am Rabbi Yavo, Am Rabbi Yavo, Ksiv Mishpachas Sofrim Yoshve Ya'abetz. Sir Abosei quotes the Pasuk from Divrahayamim. And Divrahayamim says there was a family. Now, Sofrim could mean scribes, but in its most basic etymological level, Sofrim means someone who counts. Someone who counts. There was a family of counters who lived in Ya'avets. Matamad Lomar Sofrim. What does that mean that they were Sofrim? Ela Sha'asu Es Hatorah Sefuros Sefuros. 
Rather, Rishalah so said, this is actually referring to Anshekinesis Hagadola. And what happens? Anshekinesis Hagadola are individuals who made the Torah Sefuros Sefuros, into lists. Into lists. What does that mean, into lists? For example, Chamisha Lo They said five people shouldn't. Just to keep you understand what's happening over here. The Gemara now is discussing individuals who organize Torah Shabbat Right? So one of the ways that you organize Torah Shabbat is how? By creating lists. Remember, there were still times when Torah Shabbat was oral. So when you went ahead and you had that, having lists was a much easier way to remember certain things. So what does it mean, Mishpachas Sofrim Yaushveyavets? That there was a family of counselors who lived in Yavets? That refers to these individuals, who organized Torah Shabbat Peh into lists. And the Gemara is now just, now just going to give some examples of these lists. Chamisha lo Yitshuma Five people, there are five individuals who are not permitted to separate Truma. Hey, Dvarim Chayovan Bechalo. There are five things, five different types of green that are Chayovan Chalo. Chamisha Sreinashab Trosros Sehen. There are 15 women who exempt their co-wives from Yibum. Shloshim Vesheish Krisos Ptorah. There are 36 instances of Karis in the Torah. Shloshesrei Davar Ne'emru Benevela Sa'ov. There are 13 things that were said about the carcass of a bird. Excuse me, Ha'ofatar. Dalit Avos Nazikin. There are four primary categories of damages. Avos Molochos Arbam Chasar Achas. There are 40 minus 1, 39 categories of forbidden labor on Shabbos. So we'll say again, all, so all the Navi is referring to over here is that Chazal were called Sofrim. So why are they called Sofrim? Because they arranged many of these numbered lists for us that are supposed to be helpful in remembering halachic concepts. Amr Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer said the following. Siv, the Ezra HaKohen HaSofer. So we'll say, interestingly enough, so again, the, the Pasuk over here is, this is in Ezra. So the Torah says, Le Ezra HaKohen HaSofer, Sofer, Divrei Mitzvah Hashem Mechukavah Yisrael. So it uses the word Sofer twice by Ezra. Ezra Cohen has Sofer, and then Sofer Divrei Mitzvah Hashem. So why does it have to say Sofer twice? Matam Lomar Sofer. Why does it have to say Sofer twice? Ella, Keshem Shahaya Sofer Bedivrei Torah, Kachaya Sofer Bedivrei Chachamim. The same way that he counted words of Torah, he also counted the words of the sages. And I'll say again, remember what does counting over here mean? Counting means organizing. Organized in the same way that he organized the words of the Torah, he also organized the words of the Chachamim. So if you take a look, if you take a look at the Tiklin Charetin, Tiklin Charetin says the following, Keshem Shoyah Sofer B'divrei Torah, Kacha Yisofer B'divrei Chachamim, V'seifa Dekra, the end of that Pasuk in Divrei Hayomim says, Divrei Mitzvah Sashem, He Torah Shebichsav, Kimosh HaKasav, V'sofer Mahir B'Torah Sashem, V'chukava Yisrael, so Tilin Charitin just points out that the Pasuk itself alludes Tor Shebechsav, Tor Shebapeh, Shetor Shebechsav, Gamlu Umos Nechtava, Be'er Hetei, B'Shivim Lashon, Ukimo Shekasav, La'asid, Maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu Sev Tor Bechekou, Klum Yesh Bachem Magidzos, the Kral Tor Shebapeh, but also interestingly enough, Tilin Charitin just points out over here that the need to organize Tor Shebechsav is not just for us, but the need to organize Tor Shebechsav is for the nations of the world as well. Because Torah should be accessible for the Umos and for the nations of the world as well. That's why, interestingly enough, we know that already Moshe Rabbeinu arranged that the Torah be written in all 70 languages when the Jewish people enter into Eretz Yisrael. So this is just interesting. So the arrangement of Torah Shabbat Peh is for us, but the arrangement of Torah Shabbat meaning when we see arrangement, the explanation of it, the, the practical organization of it, is not just for us, but for the nations of the world as well. <laughs> 
Reb Chagai, Reb Chagai, B'Shem Reb Shmuel Bar Nachman, listen to this. Harishonim, the earlier ones, the earlier ones, they went ahead, Kharshu. Kharshu means they plowed. Vizaru, they planted. Nichshu, they weeded. Kishu, they trimmed. Adru, they hoed. Katsru, they harvested. Amru, they gathered. Dashu, they threshed. Zaru, they winnowed. Winnowed. Baru, they separated. Tachnu, they ground. Hirkidu, they sifted. Lashu, they kneaded. Kitfu, they formed. Meaning that's what you do when you form, when you form a, a loaf. Afu, they baked. Va'anu, ein lanu malacho. And we, we have nothing to eat. Now I want to say, what, what, what does this mean? Take a look at the Tiklin Chadatim for just a moment again. So he says over here, he says over here, Kharshu, Kharshu, Chashif Tesvav Malachos Hapas, Lefishator Nekreis Lechem. Now I want to say, what does this mean? Now this, of course, is figurative. What we just enumerated over here are the 15 steps necessary in the production of bread. Now why are we talking about bread over here? Because Torah is called Lechem. Torah is called bread. So what, what is he saying? What is he saying over here? Our forefathers, they toiled. They toiled. And as a result of their toil, what did they have? They had bread. Meaning, they toiled and they accomplished great things in Torah. But anu, So take a look at the first wide line. Um, no, this is not the right one. I'm sorry. So he's saying over here, our forefathers toiled but they had bread to eat. We toil, and we have nothing to eat. So I'll say what he's lamenting over here is the decline of the generations. That our forefathers so much greater, nothing was easy for them, but yet when they toiled, they recognized, they recognized fruits of their labor. We toil, and we don't see the same level of results. Rabbi Abba Bariona Zamina, Bushim Rabbi Zira, in Havun Kadmoin Malochim, Anon Bnei Anash, if, our, if earlier generations were like angels, we are like people. And if they were like people, then we are like donkeys. Another way of saying that we're not as great as previous generations was we have this concept of niskat nuhadoros, that the further we get from Har Sinai, ultimately, again, the, 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 the more generational holiness or sanctity ebbs away. So he's just comparing, you know, for our forefathers, they worked hard, but they realized results. We work hard, but we don't have pass. If they were men, we're donkeys. If they were angels, we're men. We're just not as great as previous generations. Ramana says the truth is in our generation, we're not even like the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer. What happened to the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer? Listen to this. Chamarti de Rapinchas ben Yoyer. The donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer. Ganafta listoi balayla. So what happens? So, so thieves stole the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer at night. Avarta tamira gabon. They hid the donkey by them. I guess they were hiding out in a cave or something. So they hid the donkey by them for three days. What happens? Velo tamaklum. The whole time, the donkey would not eat anything. When the donkey was being held by the thieves, Basar After three days, the thieves deciding, you know what, mechazarta. Let's give this donkey back. Amri minhacha. Get it out of here. Because what's going to happen? The donkey's going to die here. It's going to smell up the whole cave. So you know what? Forget it. Donkey's not eating. We don't want any dead donkeys on our hands. So just send it back. Just send it back. What happened? Afkuna. So they released the donkey. Aslis v'kamisla al tarad demara. The donkey comes and it shows back up at the gate of Rapinchas ben Yara's house. 
Sharias Menahakis. He began to bray. So meaning he began to announce its arrival. Amr Lun Pischun Lahada Alufta the Isla Tlosyomid all times. So Rapinachas Binyar runs down. He says to his servants, quick, open up the gate. Literally, let in Alufta means this unfortunate one, Aluvasa. Let in this unfortunate one. Because she hasn't eaten for three days. Apparently, he was able to see that the donkey didn't eat fur for three days. So what happens? Paschalah, they opened the gate for the donkey. Va'ala sled came in. Amr lun yahavaluhu klum teichal. Excuse me. Amr Amr lun yahavalu. So what happens? So Rabbi Chazanyar said to his, to his servants, quick, feed the donkey. Klum teichal. Yavun kumas orin. Velo ba'is lemeichal. So they put barley. They put barley in front of the donkey. The donkey wouldn't eat it. Amr lay rebi. So the servants of the Pinchas ben Rebbe, the donkey's not eating anything. Amar lun mitaknin inun. So he literally says, have you fixed, have you fixed the barley? And I've also said, the Tikkun Lechanatin says, meaning have you sifted the barley? Have, he says, he mm-hmm. says, below psoles. Meaning the animal, the animal might, might, you know, is there impurities in there? Or are there stones in there, pebbles in there? You know, this donkey, mamish. You know, so, so, so they just sift, they just sift the barley. I'm sorry? So, so they, they just sift the barley. Amrulay in. They said, yes, it's this is good barley, good, good animal grade barley. Amrulun. Va'arimtun damyon. Did you take care of the demai status? Now, I'll say again, remember, demai is when you, if you would purchase produce from an ama'aretz, from a person who was, from a person who was not knowledgeable. So there was always a concern that an ama'aretz does not properly tithe his produce. So therefore, if you buy produce from an ama'aretz, that's called demai. Demai. Demai is a contraction. For da mai, what is this? Meaning, we don't know, did he tithe it or didn't he tithe it? It's possible he did, it's also possible that he didn't. So what do we do with demai? We normally retithe it. We retithe it just to be on the safe side. So now, so now Rapinchas ben said, oh, if this is demai produce, have you retithed it? Well, the <coughs> servants say, amrulei, Rebbe, lokein alfon Rebbe. Rebbe, you taught us differently. Halokeach zerla behema. Kemach la'oros, shemen la'ar, patimina demai. Rebbe, you taught us that essentially the only time you have to retithe demai produce is when? Is lemaisa, again, if you are purchasing it, if you are getting, if it's going to be used for human consumption. But if you are purchasing demai produce, either to, for animal feed or for, let's say, to use as, to use as, they used to use um, kemach, they used to use flour to tan hides. Or if you purchase the my oil for as fuel for your for your candle, So Rebbe, you taught us that the only time you have to retie the my is when it's going to be used for human consumption. But if it's being used for animal consumption for any other purpose, you don't have to retie it. So Rebbe, you, so so we shouldn't have to retie it. So what did they say? Amr alon. says, "What do you want me to do? My naavid, my naavid What should I do for this unfortunate creature? al garma sagin." Because ultimately, again, apparently, she is more machmir than I. <laughs> right? So what he's saying over here, because she, she's machmir again, she's machmir on herself. So what should I, so again, so the guys are pointing out, we're not even like the donkey of a pinchas benyar. That again, I will say, that, understand what that means, by the way, also, is that sometimes when Kedusha is palpable, so Kedusha permeates every aspect of the world, including the physical world, including even the animal kingdom. So what it's saying over here is the Kedusha of previous generations was so intense that even the animals were influenced by it. We don't even have the same sensitivities as the donkey of Rabbi Pinchas ben So what do they do? Va'ariman damyon va'achal. So Australia is a good ending. They ultimately separated out once again the Trumas and Maestros from the Dmai and the donkey ate. Psachia alakinis. So also remember again, we said Psachia was in charge of the bird pairs. And we said Psachia was Mordechai. Bo'ure'e, 
See how great the power of this man was. He would literally open things up. He would literally open things up and he would dash in them. He would go and be able to open up matters that were otherwise closed and obscured. Okay? Weiter. Yodea ba'ayin lashin. He knew 70 languages. Tani, Sanhedrin sheyesh ba'shnayim sheichol mudaber. Vekulon ru'uyin lishmo. Hariz ru'uyin the Sanhedrin. I'll say if you have a Sanhedrin, remember, the Sanhedrin Agadol was comprised of 72 judges. So what would happen? In order for the Sanhedrin to be a, a formally constituted Sanhedrin, you had to have at least two people who were able to go ahead and speak. Now, I'll say, remember, 70 languages is just an expression. Right? What it means is all languages, all known languages. So you had to have at least two people who would be able to go ahead and speak all languages, and as long as everyone else knew to understand those languages. So everybody had to understand the various languages, only two had to speak. And I was saying the reason you needed this is why? For, for cross-examination of witnesses. Witnesses could come from anywhere, and that could be witnesses because of the new moon. That could be witnesses in capital cases. There can't be a language barrier, nor... Can you rely on the services of an interpreter? So that's why, remember, there had to be at least two members of the Sanhedrin that were well-versed linguistically in every language, both to speak it and to understand it. Everyone else had to at least understand it. He goes on. Harizuria. So this, this, if you have two, as long as everyone else can understand it, that, that group is fit to be a Sanhedrin. However, Gimel, Harizabainonis. If you have three people who are able to go ahead and speak every language and everyone else understands, that's an average Sanhedrin. Dalid, if you're able to have four people that are able to speak every language while everybody else understands it, Harizuchachma. Oh, then that is a wise Sanhedrin. Obiyavne, and in Yavne, also remember Yavne is the, is, the, is the area to which the Jewish, really, the Jewish community relocated to in the aftermath of the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. How you bought Dalid. There were actually four men on the Sanhedrin who actually were versed in every language and spoke it and understood it. Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Ben Chachinoi, Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Masio. Amr Abchista. Pam Achas Yav Sha'aret Yisrael. One time there was a terrible drought in Eretz Yisrael, and what? They didn't know where they're going to be able to get barley from the Karbana Omer. So what happens? Listen, this is very interesting. There was one man who was mute. He put one hand on the roof of his head, on the roof of the, on the roof. And he put another hand on a hut. So we'll say, this, apparently this mute man was trying to give them some type of message. But no one understood what he's talking about. He's putting one hand on the ceiling, one hand on a hut. I sinuhai, I, I, excuse me, I sunei kamei dipsachia. So they brought him in front of the psachia, in front of Mordechai. He said to him, he said to them, Is Asar de Miskaria Gagos Srifin? Is there a city that's called Gagos Srifin? Meaning he thought that essentially what the mute man is trying to say is roof hot, roof hot, roof hot. So he said, Is there a place that's called roof hot? Right? Is there a place that's called Gagos Srifin or Otsrifin Gagos? Is there some place that has the name of this combination? Sure enough, they found the place, they found the place, Gagos Tzrifin, and what happens? There, in fact, was barley there. So Psachia was intuitive enough to understand what the, what the mute man was trying to say. One time, literally the entire world was windswept. 
windswept, which means again that again also terrible drought. Omer. They didn't know where they're going to bring the carbon Omer from. Taman Chad So they, again, there was another mute person. He put one hand on his eyes and one hand. Sukhra is the door socket. The door socket. So I so nobody knows what he's talking about. They brought him up for Psachya. Amar Lun is Asar de Miskarya Ein Socher, O Socher Ayin. Is there a place that's called Ein Socher? Because again, it's just, it just a combination of the two words. Or Socher Ayin. Again, Ein is the eye, Socher is the door socket. So what happens? Sure enough, sure enough, what happens? They went out and they found the place Ein Socher. So also again, it's, it's just interesting. Meaning, again, not that this is such a dramatic display of knowledge, but it's more intuition. It's more intuition. He's good at charades, right? <laughs> he was the life of the party. So, so again, it's just an interesting idea just in terms of also wisdom takes on many different forms. There's learned wisdom and there's also intuitive wisdom. So Psachia, Mordechai has this learned wisdom, obviously, but he also has this intuitive <laughs> wisdom as well. A little bit weiter. Gimel Noshim, so there were three women who were bringing bird offerings. One says, I'm bringing this le'inasi. Now we'll see what this means in just a moment. One says, I'm bringing Omar Lun Ba'ina Sakant. So Psachio was there and he said no. What she was saying is she had some type of sakana, some type of dangerous eye ailment, and she's bringing this bird offering as a hoda'a. That's a nasi. Sovereign, excuse me, Zusha Amrit Liamasi, the one who said I'm bringing it Liamasi, sovereign Memar Shofa'as Kayam. They thought she was saying the same thing, that I'm flowing like a river, meaning that I'm still bleeding and therefore I'm a zava. Mordechai said, no, no, that's not what she was saying. What she was saying is she was on a sea voyage and she was in Sakana. And because she was in Sakana, she's bringing this carbon as an offering, as a hodaz, a thanksgiving offering. Zusha Amrit Lezivasi, the one who said that I'm bringing this for my zivus, Sovereign Memar Zavamamish. She must be a Zava. And that's how she's bringing it. Mordechai said, no. Mordechai said, Amr Lun Ze'ev Ba'lita Lesbina. This woman was in a dangerous situation and her child was almost snatched by a wolf. And therefore, again, she's bringing the carbon as a hoda'a, lezivasi, because the zev, the wolf, almost took my child. They're all saying the point that's happening over here is what? That this was the greatness of Psalchi of Mordechai, that he was able to... Now, how did he know this? How did he know this? Again, it's the same intuition. Apparently, again, he just saw, just based on how these women were acting, how they were talking, what they were saying, he understood that what they said was not, there was something deeper contained in their words, and that's why they called him Psachia, because he was able to open up that which was closed. He was able to, everyone else saw on the surface, he was able to see beneath the surface. All right, they will say, we'll continue tomorrow.